0: Oh, see, oh, we almost had it perfect there. We just got a little bit of a restart, and that's totally cool. I'm not worried about it at all. Welcome to Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we're absolutely sure we don't know everything. I am your host, Kelsey Dara, and this week, ooh, this week is a good one. Let's see. In October, you know, we know that it's mental health month. We do it every year. We have, you know, doctors, therapists, experts, psychologists on, um, september was pain awareness month and since this podcast has kind of turned into some form of like therapy and a place to talk about pain but not like in a pro way you know it's just me your bff i figured we could use the real pros from actual bff therapy on instagram and in practice this week's guest we have Dr. Jamie Arnoff. She is partnered with Mariah Seeger Geer They are based in New York. They are BFF therapy. They're actually best friends and therapists who are also writers and provide culturally competent psychotherapy for youth through adulthood, specializing, working with deaf in multicultural communities, which ah, oh, that's just amazing. I definitely want to touch on that. Uh, they do everything from relationships, impact of racism, emotionally focused therapy, talking to children about race and intersectionality and development. But all of that aside, this week we are specifically talking about pain reprocessing therapy or PRT as they call it for short. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Jamie Arna. Thank you. Oh, I think I so a, to be here. I have a clapping sound. There we go. Say clap in sign language. <laughs> clap in <and> sign language. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is so amazing. Thank you so much for coming. First, tell me how you got involved in mental health, and specifically in the communities that you do uh, therapy with. Sure.
1: Um, Well, the communities, I guess, started first. Uh, We had a deaf family friend and um, all of the kids were kind of just sent to sign language camp when we were, I'm the oldest in my family. So uh, all of myself, my sisters were sent to sign language camp at like a local high school during the summertime. And we slowly every year, just like really built on our American sign language communication skills, found our way into the deaf community. When it was time for me to decide what I wanted to do um, for college, I, applied to some deaf studies programs and ended up at Boston University. And as part of that you know, major, they send you into a school your first year just to learn how to, you know, work within that community in education. And I found very quickly I was not paying attention to the teacher, but I was paying attention mm. to the students. And I didn't mm. care about earth science. I cared about where they were coming from and what their family dynamics were like and what they had for breakfast. And like, mm. did that impact how they were paying attention to what the teacher <laughs> was saying? And I, I very quickly was like, I think I should maybe add psychology to mm. what I'm doing here. So I ended up mm. double majoring in mm. um, psychology and deaf studies at BU. Wow!
0: And how underrepresented mm. are like deaf psychologists in the mental health community?
1: Super. Underrepresented.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: there's, uh, yeah, there's a, um, deaf university in Washington DC called Gallaudet university. It's been featured on some media, um, shows like switched at birth, Mm. deaf you on Netflix, you know, it's, it's starting Mm. to find some popularity in just people who are going through the streaming services, but Mm. it's, um, mostly for deaf and hard of hearing students. Um, but there are also hearing individuals that attend primarily Mm. in their grad school programs and so i went to their clinical psychology phd program and that's where i completed my graduate uh, degree
0: amazing and if that wasn't already accomplished enough uh you had to go in and throw becoming a as you called it real quickly offline before we started becoming a baby pain psychologist so tell me a little bit about baby in the field. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that process. Like what led you to go from already this such accomplished, like niche community driven psychology study into an even more niche underrepresented community of psychology studies. (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, I, I try and use my own experience so that I can better relate to my clients um, and hopefully experience some of the things they may have already experienced before they've come to me or kind of fill my uh, plate with other modalities and different research um, mm-hmm. backgrounds so that I can kind of wrap them around with the supports they may not have yet had access to, mm-hmm. um, especially as assigning. Therapist. Um, mm. So that's going to be really important in kind of minimizing some of the preferences in terms of deaf and hard of hearing individuals not mm. wanting to work with an interpreter. The deaf community mm. is really tight knit and small. And so they're worried about their privacy and confidentiality. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I. I have a variety of pain diagnoses myself. Um, I started working mostly with children and adolescents with anxiety and depression, many of whom have thoughts and urges of wanting to hurt themselves or other intrusive ideation. And I slowly started to hear in the local community, but also in the wider community, you know, following people like you and Zach from the Try Guys and people who are just like talking about pain Mm -hmm. and Like just listening to people's journeys and wanting to kind of like my work um, with high risk clients talk more about pain and make Mm -hmm. it okay to do that. And, you know, hearing locally that there's not necessarily providers that have an experience themselves with pain or have just (laughs) explored the field of pain Mm -hmm. psychology, um, Mm -hmm. which both feels like very rooted in history and also very new. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, full disclosure and transparency, am very new to this field as a provider. And so that's why I say, you know, I'm a baby psychologist. <laughs> I'm a baby pain psychologist.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just kind of
1: getting my footing in the area.
0: Yeah. But I mean, I, I think what I've come across not only with trying to do podcast interviews with, regard to like the subject of chronic pain is that even the experts who do, um, know the experience through their own diagnoses or experience with chronic pain don't like talking about it. They don't like talking about their personal journey because my, my story is that people want to be like, well, are you out of pain? Did you figure it out? Are you cured? And if they don't say yes, then maybe people will think of their research or study or therapy as invalid or not helpful. So, um, what was kind of like your, um, thought process of ever being public or sharing that you are, you know, a a baby pain psychologist, soon to be adult grown, functioned, uh, fully mature pain psychologist, uh, and your own (laughs) kind of diagnoses.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, in, starting to learn everything that I could about everything that i had been told by my providers, um, and like what different modalities existed. I saw something very similar, you know, I'd be reading books by people who were physical therapists and medical doctors and therapists of themselves that had like maybe a forward that said like, mm-hmm. Oh, well I have a history of chronic back pain, but it was like a few paragraphs and then it was just, this is what you should do. Um, mm. And I was looking for more of that empathy and validation in terms of this is what I'm doing and this is what it's actively like for me and how it changes as I kind of go through life and different things happen, the weather changes, (laughs) people, Contribute to my stress. Yes. <laughs> like there are things that like it's not stable. Yeah, <laughs> and right. so it's not, you know, to have the expectation that things are gonna change mm-hmm. and you might have an increase and decrease kind of a roller coaster of stress and therefore pain, wanting to just be more open about it myself to hopefully connect with those in the pain community, whether it was just on a more like community level versus me and as a provider and someone else as a client um because i think that just fills my cup
0: and hopefully (laughs) helps fill others as well yeah because it is like you know we we I I find it easier to relate to a doctor if they are open about their experience with it. And also being open to what works for them might not be working, working for me, which is something I have also seen in the pain community where they're like, this is what it is and it will work. It's science. And I'm like, okay, well, it makes me feel bad. Like maybe I'm not doing it right. Which is what I find so interesting about PRT or pain reprocessing therapy, which I'd love to kind of dive into share about our like crossover together. I remember, I think we were DMing once that we were both reading uh, the way out by Alan Gordon and yes. Alan Ziv. And they are kind of, I don't know the faces of making PRT normalized and, and shouting from the rooftops about it, starting, you know, a curable podcast called tell me about your pain, um, all sorts of other mm-hmm. resources that they've provided. So how did you hear about it? And what was your first, thoughts of what prt is and and how do we explain to people what that is
1: (laughs) sure um i think i was just reading all of the books um written by all the people from all the places about all the pain. and um i stumbled onto this like specific type of therapy which intrigued me i was like oh this isn't just somebody who's saying this is what i did and this is Mm -hmm. what's helpful this is someone who's saying We created this Mm. modality of therapy. It's being implemented, researched. They're finding positive results um, with certain types of people who have certain types of pain. And so, you know, I'm a perpetual learner and I went online and saw that they had this training and, you know, other people were talking about it. You had been talking about it on your podcast and I was like, all right. I might as well go for it. It's it's a one month of intensive training. Mm -hmm. It was over the summer. So before all of like my teenagers and kiddos, clients go back to school and things amp up again. And so I just went for it. Um, (laughs) And in terms of how how to explain it, they use the term neuroplastic pain, which they're using to describe kind of those pain danger signals that are activated in the body that cause uncomfortable physical sensations in the absence of structural damage Mm. and so that would be you know a way that they would describe it so when i was uh starting the training they they give you all these articles and videos to watch through a week and then every sunday you meet with some of the leaders from the pain psychology center and they Mm. kind of go through everything with you and um teach you how to do all the techniques and Mm. we break off into little groups and practice and analyze Mm. case vignettes and things like that but Mm. on the first day they did someone did ask oh what about you know, trigeminal neuralgia. Does this help that? They were like, no. (laughs) And I was like, oh, awesome. (laughs) You're kidding. Someone asked um, that. Oh, fuck. Yes. I couldn't believe it. That's like a pretty random question. I think just based on the number of people who have TN um, or wondering about it. And so, yeah, someone like typed in the chat and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And they're like, no.
0: Absolutely not. So it's Wait, more for, they're so using it's their studies. Not, oh, it's not, no, no, no. I was going to say that's news to me because I've heard guests that come on their podcast that will like throw trigeminal neuralgia in the mix of things that are, that can be neuroplastic. And I'm like, oh, okay. Can it be both? But like, what, what are you, what are you meaning that or you're about to say, what does it help with? What is it more studied um, and trialed with? So I'm
1: wondering if maybe they were using TN as one of their many diagnoses, because, Mm. you know, as you learn about the brain and how it impacts, you know, this biopsychosocial model that a lot of people talk about within the mind body Mm -hmm. um, field, that once some part of your body is activated and the whole body becomes sensitive. And then other parts of the body that may not have Mm -hmm. structural damage may start to hurt and cause this pain that may linger and eventually become Mm -hmm. chronic. So I'm wondering if maybe, um, they were thinking of it and bringing up TN in that way. Um, but there is, you know, there's structural damage Mm -hmm. with TN. And so there, The, they answered that question is like, no, it's not really used for TN. It's more used for chronic migraines, fibromyalgia, chronic back pain. Almost mm-hmm. all of their studies mm-hmm. are with individuals who have chronic back pain and you can have, mm-hmm. it can be both, right? That's who you said. Like it could be structural mm-hmm. and non-structural. You could have mm-hmm. um, a disc bulge in your back that if you take 50 people with the same disc bulge, maybe half of them are experiencing this chronic pain and half of them aren't. And so they're exploring what is it about each of those groups that makes them both more sensitive to that pain and more able to tolerate that pain. And right. can we facilitate more management with the people who are more sensitive with something like PRT? And they are finding success, um, by, you know, implementing PRT with those individuals, but it's, it's more the idea that once, you know, the alarm bell goes off in your body, mm-hmm. the rest of the body is kind of like, wait, what's going on? I just was <laughs> reading, um, a book by, um, I have it right here. Low Adrian Low. It's really awesome. It's called, why do I hurt? Aww. And it's like a really amazing <laughs> breakdown of like relatable metaphors for mm. how to explain pain to just like your everyday mm. person. And they use like the the nosy neighbor analysis so like if um there's an alarm going off in a house in the neighborhood the longer it goes off your next door neighbors might be like what is that sound what's going Mm. on and they come out and they want to look and they get a little stressed out and nervous and they're like should we call for backup is this Mm. being handled and the longer it goes and the louder the alarm the whole neighborhood turns on their lights. And I'm like, that's so genius. That's like a genius way to explain it. So I have like a little issue in my lower back and sometimes it feels better and sometimes it doesn't. But when I'm in a TN flare, you know, my whole body hurts. yeah. And so I then have to wonder, which is, you know, one of the positives and negatives of PRT. I start to doubt Mm
0: -hmm.
1: whether or not I'm contributing to this pain Mm -hmm
0: hmm I'm, I'm glad you brought it I up. I have the
1: power to do something about it. And also I'm the one doing something about it. So where's the yes. balance, Yes, especially with people in chronic pain who mm-hmm. already have a mistrust of their bodies, already connect mm-hmm. their bodies to this feeling of shame and guilt. There's like mm-hmm. a sense of betrayal. Mm -hmm. that our bodies aren't doing what they Mm -hmm. should be doing? And how can we trust that by investing our attention into, you know, these vessels, that that's going to be a good thing because for a while it
0: certainly has not. Right. Yeah. And you, I mean, gosh, you brought up so many good points in, in what you were just saying. Like the first being that so many people, don't know even the difference between structural and neuropathic. And then we label structural as valid and neuroplastic as your imagination. It's made up. It gives you a super big sense of, um, gaslighting yourself. Um, it also makes a lot more self blame and it's not something our doctors ever tell us about, at least in my experience and our our, like physical medical doctors like our, you know, I don't know, my neuro neurosurgeon or my oral maxillofacial surgeon. No one was like, this is mm-hmm. what could happen with neuroplastic pain. And instead, they don't really, like, I feel like they know, but they don't know how to explain it in a way that is useful. Instead, we get things of like, you just need to rest. You need to have a glass of wine. Your stress levels are too high. Like, there's no... There's no um, acknowledgement that that pain, that neuroplastic pain is just as real as structural pain, which is, you know, when we think of structural, we think of something that's like physical in the body that is damaged, changed, stretched, whatever that is causing signals of pain. Yes. And then our neuroplastic is you could even have a neuroplastic pain in a place that is structurally damaged without it being structural pain. So that's like, I don't think maybe that was just such a brain vomit for so many people, but that was what I was trying to get across. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no. And that is something that I was faced with during the training that you can have trying to understand, like, is there a list that I can look at that says, like, this is neuroplastic and this is not. And they're kind of like, well, it could be both like you could have an injury to your back. At- but that injury, in theory, heals and whether it heals over time or with injections or physical therapy or all of the above, it, it shouldn't linger in the intensity and frequency Mm -hmm. of pain that you're experiencing. And so now we have to wonder, is it in fact neuroplastic, even if there was an original structural issue? Because in one of the ways they assess whether or not it's neuroplastic pain, one Mm -hmm. of the criteria is like, well, did you just like bend over to tie your (laughs) shoe? And then all of a sudden you had a big pain, like shoot up your back because there's no real injury there. There doesn't Mm -hmm. seem to be structural damage kind Mm -hmm. of attached to that injury. Mm -hmm. And they'll say other things like, is your pain symmetrical? Is it Mm. inconsistent? Um, Is there like a delay from something that might have actually caused an injury to when you start to feel the injury? Mm -hmm. Do you have um, certain personality traits? Is there adverse childhood experiences? All these Mm. things, but then they have make sense to me then they have things like is it um based on things outside of your body and one of their examples is like weather mm-hmm. and um like barometric pressure and changes of the seasons because that means it's neuroplastic pain and I'm like which oh, is wait
0: a minute the, is it? I love this one. I talked to my PRT therapist about that. I was like, "Y'all be having messages out there that it's not—it's neuroplastic. That weather doesn't actually physically do anything to us." But then, outside of the PRT community, everyone's like, "No, absolutely, it does." So help me, help me understand, Doctor Jamie.
1: I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that PRT, as I see it, is a great tool, and I love so many things about it. And I think it's also a great way to like look at um, the ways that they approach certain things and the way they communicate their um, techniques and their ideology in a way that I might leave to the side and incorporate other things. And yeah. when I was in the training, the the leaders of the training kind of followed suit. They weren't saying, you know, this is super dogmatic. This is not going to be the only thing that you should use. You should kind of take what you love from PRT and sprinkle it into your practice mm-hmm. as you see fit. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are you know, lots of articles and research and individuals, m- providers that I have that I trust with my life mm-hmm. that I'll, you know, I'll walk into the physical therapy office and say like, it's, you know, in New York, it just got cold Yeah. in my face and oh. my back oh. Oh. are feeling it. Oh. And they're like, that makes total sense. And I'm like, yeah. yes, it does. Thank you so much for validating me. Yes. And like, Check in the Dr. Jamie category. X in the PRT category.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, and and I think that that's like something worth note, like noting too, is that it emphasizing it's not the end all be all. It's a tool, and now that people kind of understand exactly what it represents, so neuroplastic versus structural. That's like the idea mm-hmm. behind it. I'm sure people are going like, yeah, but what is the actual treatment? What's the secret thing that you guys are talking about? And um, something that I found fascinating with you and I is that like I was going through PRT therapy as a patient as the same time Mm -hmm. as you were going through the training. And so, I mean, I haven't talked about my PRT experience really. I was saving it for the book, but I, I brought my like little worksheets and stuff that I did during that time, but how do we explain what the actual process of PRT is? Like, how do we, how do we get there? (laughs) You got it. So, um,
1: the, one of the major techniques of PRT is somatic tracking, and that is, uh, attending to the physical sensations in your body through a lens of openness and curiosity and not through a lens of fear, Mm -hmm. because, one of the main ideologies of PRT is that pain is just a fear sensation, a fear hallucination. They said mm. in one of their trainings that I wrote down, mm. I was like, I had a column of like the things I really yeah. loved that I would use and the things that I was like,
0: I got to okay. see that. I got to see that spreadsheet later.
1: <laughs> and yeah, I both it to send you. that to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, for sure. But um, yeah, somatic tracking, I think is really amazing. I use it on myself. I use it with my clients who are in pain, my clients Mm. who are um, anxious, maybe having panic attacks, Mm. because it is a way to kind of redirect your attention inward Mm. in a way that communicates that you are safe. Um, Mm. So they do things like safety reappraisal as you're kind of monitoring and exploring those sensations, reminding yourself that you're okay that there isn't anything wrong, that mm. your body is just communicating feelings to you um, without any danger at all. Mm. There's positive affect induction. So you're kind of combining positive imagery and humor. It is like a fairly light Um, easily guided technique, uh, Mm. it's, you know, I can walk a client through it a few times and then we kind of settle on an imagery that works for them. Mm. Even my teenagers really respond well to it, Mm. but not everybody is ready to turn inward and connect to those physical sensations.
0: Fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands.
2: I can confirm this. I'm actually wearing Quince pants (gasps) right now. You are. They are so. They're they're loose. They're breezy. These babies have a button, a fly, drawstring, and elastic in the band. So I can like I can dress them up. I can dress them down. Yes. They are. They're the perfect pant for summer and I'm really comfortable as hell in them.
0: Honestly I am wearing the Quince 14 karat gold earring loop right now. Oh my God. I know I think it's so cute. It does not tarnish. It is so comfy and I have sensitive ears so I'm mm-hmm. really loving this for my body. So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Kelsey for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Kelsey to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com com slash Kelsey. Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? <laughs> you are talking to two sober sallies. You know Zach and I love to drink recess zero-proof craft mocktails because it's a guilt-free way to unwind. It has 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less, and it is sweetened with agave because y'all know I got that sugar addiction. It has incredible flavors. One of my favorites is the grapefruit paloma. The paloma is actually one of the last drinks I was drinking when I was drinking alcohol. So this is like a nice little nostalgia moment and it still feels really fun in my hand. And there's no reason we should be missing out on the partying either. It's such a good replacement for alcohol, a great drink for having in between alcoholic drinks, unwinding at home, at dinner parties, chilling on the couch. It is endless. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com/kelsey. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Because, you know, we've been
1: in pain for a long time. And Where would we be? Taps back into, <laughs> it taps back into this idea that I don't think is explored enough in PRT or talked about in general by um, providers, but just like this feeling of mistrust and betrayal that we have with our bodies after being in pain for so long. Mm-hmm. So I think leaning into positive sensations. So uh, mindfulness is a big part of PRT and breathing, mm. which, you know, some people will roll their <laughs> eyes and say like, you want me to just take some deep breath? That's how you want me to like lean into this. I get it. I get and it. also I get it, it can be kind of powerful in, As you start to make your way into somatic tracking, because you're not just taking deep breaths. The point Mm -hmm. is not to breathe in and out. The Mm -hmm. point is to engage in an activity in your body, Mm -hmm. knowing that there is some kind of connection to your brain so that you're now experiencing your physical sensation through Mm -hmm. a lens of safety. I can Mm -hmm. breathe and feel okay. I Mm -hmm. can tend to my breath and Mm -hmm. I am safe. So Mm -hmm. maybe I can work my way up to paying Mm -hmm. attention to my face or my back, because now I know that it's possible to pay attention to just these physical sensations in the body that are being generated for a very real reason and are 100% true and valid. Mm -hmm. And also I can be okay.
0: Oh, Dr. Jamie, I feel like I'm going to have to come to you as a patient after this episode because you explained it so eloquently and quickly and beautifully in a way that I don't think my therapist that I did PRT with was able to do so well, which we'll go into my experience real quick though. We got to throw it to to a a break. Yeah. So we will be right back after this message. accidentally played the outro part of that twice. We're just gonna roll with it. What a great (laughs) message. What a great sponsor. Okay, back with Dr. Jamie here talking about PRT. Um I I, like I said, I've got some of my exercises here and I wanna talk about, you know, somatic tracking. Like I have a script that they gave me Mm -hmm. that I take, you know, I read whenever I need to. It's very much about, um, you know, some of my favorite lines that I've, I've highlighted are let's take a few deep grounding breaths, which I was laughing so hard when you were talking, because I used to be so anti-breath work. I was, because it relates back to my, um, triggers with anxiety and panic attack that a paying attention to my breath used to trigger me into messages of unsafety and having a panic attack. I wasn't like, Oh, I can Mm -hmm. breathe. Therefore I'm okay. I was, why am I breathing weird? Why is my heart beating this way? How do my lungs work? Yes. Panic attack. Um, Uh, 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 bringing your attention to the physical sensation. So actually going towards, you know, what I label as pain, they say it as physical sensation, which Mm -hmm. I really loved kind of like that reframing was like, it's just a physical sensation. Mm -hmm. We label it as painful or not, even though it fucking hurts. It's still just a physical sensation. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, is it widespread or is it localized? So Um, Mm Kind of like you mentioned, sometimes we feel a pain one way and then we can like, it feel like moving into our shoulder or down our hands, into my fingertips, behind my eyes. Um, The neutrality of these statements. So remembering during somatic tracking that you're not trying to change anything or figure it out. You're becoming this third party observer. Um, Yes. And reminding yourself about... Uh, messages of safety and that your goal is just here to simply to watch. And so I wanted to go over what I found to be, my biggest takeaway from PRT was actually building my own safety messages, which like, mm. it all sounds so preschooly, And like, it all sounds <laughs> so simple. And I get angry because I'm like, how much money am I paying when I could just be making up messages <laughs> of safety? So here we are confidants giving it to you for free right here, me and Dr. Jamie, uh, teaching you how to make messages of safety. So how would you describe mm-hmm. what messages of safety are?
1: So, um, well, i be curious about your specific messages of safety, but I guess for me, that safety reappraisal is again, like allowing a person to just explore their physical sensations, even using what we might deem negative words. Like it's a sharp stabbing pain and it is radiating through this part of my body and just being with a person who's. Just with you nodding along like, okay, thank you for describing it in that way as to not set off alarms like, oh, my God, it's throbbing and radiating through your whole body. It's, again, communicating that this is okay. It's great to talk about. You're allowed to explore it openly and you are safe while you attend to these, these physical sensations. Um,
0: Absolutely. so I'm curious about the safety messages that you yeah. use that you find yeah. most helpful. Absolutely. And, um, what I like about not only this, but the somatic tracking exercise is that it definitely, it it's something active to do during pain. Whereas like hearing mm-hmm. that you just need to stress less or blah, blah, blah. I, I, I was always like, oh, yeah, but I need fucking tools. I need something I can physically do. Like give me something physical. So I really liked this activity because I don't know that like, these aren't, these aren't typical messages of safety that I saw like in the book, you know, a lot of them are like, mm. you are safe. You are enough. Like, you know, uh, so we're going to get a little specific here. Um, my first okay. one was, Kelsey's messages of safety is people have gotten out of chronic pain before and I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure about it at first because it makes it sound like there's something I don't have but instead I started to feel like it was more of a manifest of like I'm going Mm -hmm. to believe that I am one of those people who got you know those miracle patient and miracle, uh, cases that you hear where people just no longer feel pain. So I kind of, I gravitated right. towards people have gotten out of chronic pain before. Um, pain doesn't need to be judgment, which goes back to that neutrality. So if I'm feeling something mm-hmm. like right now, even every time my podcast, I start to feel my Anastasia zellarosa in my chin, that's Without fail, Mm -hmm. headphones was a big trigger for me. That was something I wanted to work on with my PRT. Um, And as soon as I feel it, I go, oh, God, it's here. I still have another 20 minutes where I have to talk and pretend like it doesn't hurt and where I can just smile and blah, blah, blah. And it's so, the initial reaction is so aggressive. (laughs) Instead Mm -hmm. of just going, Mm -hmm. pain doesn't need to be a judgment. It doesn't need to be this is going to ruin the rest of my day. This isn't going to be impossible. This is going to hurt the entire time. So that was like a good little, that was like a good, um, post-it note moment for me. Um, yeah, like a thought
1: challenge, I would say, I would say that.
0: Perfect. A thought challenge. Um, it's okay to try Mm -hmm. and reconnect. So for me, visually, I always imagined that this nerve was Injured or cut or disconnected from the right wiring, and so I started to hmm. again. Maybe this is like a manifestation where it's okay to reconnect. Where I was literally telling my nerves, "It's okay to reconnect to its proper synapses." <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Feels a little magical. Um, yeah. I also uh, used. I love how much success this mouth has given me. <laughs> there you go. I love that. Yeah, so give yourself the props that it deserves. Exactly. Like giving myself the credit of, despite this thing, I still have succeeded. Which it it feels so ninety nine percent of the time that I have failed at healing. So remembering that despite feeling like 99% of the time I'm failing at healing something, I've actually had so much success in my life and my business because of my friggin' mouth. Um, yes. Yes. And then my last two favorite, uh, was one was my mind, my body and myself are all on one team. So, um, getting a little bit of that separation out of, out of the way and saying, no, this is biopsychosocial, Mm -hmm. right? It's a fun word we all love to say. And then my last one was when my therapist added that I hadn't thought of, but it was, of course I would feel this way. Of course. Like there's just validity into saying, yeah, of course your body would feel this way after insert thing here either talking or mm-hmm. even just remembering the the surgery or remembering the healing process so those are my safety messages i'm curious uh your thoughts and also if you wanted to share any I of your personal them. ones <laughs> Yeah.
1: Um, so the, what I was thinking about as you were talking about yours, um, well, kind of, I guess work backward. The, the idea of like attaching your mm. synapses again. Um, I always say to myself, like, um, nerves that fire together, wire together. Wire together. And yes. so. Yeah, you're, you are basically doing that. That Mm. is like a a common rhyme that, you know, scientists in the field will use. And so basically by thinking and manifesting that you are actually making new connections or reconnecting, there's data to show that that's actually true and that's what you're doing. So by constantly and repeatedly thinking that and kind of willing that you are creating new channels, new pathways, whether, you know, the old ones kind of light up again, Mm -hmm. um, or they find new ways to connect that is what's going on. So hopefully that feels validating (laughs) as you think that to yourself, because you do really have the power to do that. The brain is kind of working in your corner on your team. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in terms of that thought challenging that first part um thinking uh, something on kind of that list of prt notes that i took that ties into this idea of thought challenging which is very cognitive behaviorally based which is another modality of therapy in you know the pain psychology field mm-hmm. is kind of allowing your thoughts whether they're positive or negative to kind mm-hmm. of flood through and then using evidence to that you collect whether it's for or against it and challenging those unhelpful thoughts Mm -hmm. and realizing that, you know, you can face these sensations and not fall apart Mm -hmm. because everything in your body and your brain is telling you that that is absolutely what's going to happen. If I sit in this feeling, if I, if this continues, which Mm -hmm. all signs tell me that it absolutely will. And that like first outburst of like, Oh my gosh, I stub my toe, is that going to run up my leg, irritate my nerve, cause a spasm in my hip, I'll be on the couch for a week. I'm going to have to yep. cancel my work. Yep. Like that's that's how it is. That's yep. that is how we think. Yep. That's how we've learned to adjust. Um, you know, taking you know safety messages like that and challenging that automatic thought um which again we can't control prt is not going to be able to control it nothing is going to be able to control that automatic mm-hmm. burst of mm-hmm. this is the alarm that's going to go off it exists in our bodies whether we want it to or not but we have the power to you know turn down the volume mm-hmm. or um turn the, uh, chime to something that's more pleasurable and pleasant for us. Even if the mm. alarm's going to go off, like, can it be something that's more bearable? Can mm. we observe it from a place of curiosity of like, all right, you know, I can, I groove to this sound. I don't have to be bothered by it. Like I can dance to it. This is okay. This is okay. We can work with this. Right. 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 So, um, I do. I like, I really do like the idea of incorporating a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy into my work as a pain psychologist. And Mm -hmm. so that's what that makes me think of in terms of my safety messages. I use less verbal, Mm -hmm. um, messaging and use more imagery, which I think again, is one of the reasons I love somatic tracking so much because it allows for that you kind of lean into that and you know, they, I'm sure, have provided you with scripts of a variety of different images. One of the um, imagery that they use a lot during our training was that you are just looking into a fish tank and you are watching the fish swimming around you're following that sensation. Like you're just following Mm. a little Nemo (laughs) and maybe um, you're appreciating the colored pebbles and maybe Mm. there's a SpongeBob pineapple in the tank (laughs) and you've got some glow lights around it for Mm. some mood lighting. Mm -hmm. And I like to just take that as far as I can. And I do like to put some spins on it that a lot of people in the training were like, do you work with kids? It feels (laughs) like you work with
0: kids. (laughs) Me as a 30 year old woman being like, yes, SpongeBob. 100
1: percent it is yeah. to, who doesn't want to like get in touch with that inner yeah. child mm. for most of us a part of our lives that we maybe weren't in as much mm-hmm. pain mm-hmm. like what's wrong with like adding some of that humor and yeah fun to it to relax you know I'm relaxed when I'm in the warm weather on a beach so I'll Mm -hmm. say okay like we're gonna go Mm -hmm. into the fish tank now as you Mm -hmm. would kind of follow these physical sensations Mm -hmm. now you're snorkeling and you're next to the fish and you're even closer to them but you're still safe you Mm can hear the the motor of the boat running and you are protected from the sun because you put on that SPF 100 Mm -hmm. and you've got the bathing suit that you feel really good in and oh my gosh you see the turtle that you've been like waiting to see (laughs) and you're there's no sharks anywhere there's no danger and you are safe and you're okay and like you see the the guide for the snorkel with like the bright orange, orange snorkel yeah, mask flagged. you can see him. you are safe <laughs> yes. and, like just incorporating little things that, like mm. are silly and make you laugh but also remind you that you're safe but mm-hmm. you're you're in it you're full in it you're not just an observer of a fish mm-hmm. tank you are in the water you are swimming mm-hmm. you are next to these fish that you're following and so mm-hmm. I like to Use more imagery to communicate that I'm okay uh, mm. versus verbal, because sometimes when I'm in that amount of pain,
0: yeah. my
1: thinking right, <laughs> is right. I have less Not capacity <laughs> to like reach for <laughs> reach for those like beautifully curated statements that yes. I know will work, and I right. think total be helpful. I'm like what were those words i don't yeah. know but i would yeah. really like to be snorkeling on a beach right now Ooh, so let's yeah. let's
0: dive into that absolutely especially as I'm like, if you're like visual a visual visual learner. learner yeah that. Jinx. Um, I'm actually curious, like you kind of touched on it a little bit before, but as someone who works with like intersectional marginalized groups of individuals or like children that often are Mm -hmm. already kind of unseen in pain and disability, like how do, how do you see that, um, they are different or similar to adults and how do we empower them to go, up against such a, unfortunately ableist, like medical system.
1: Yeah. It's super hard. You know, you want to, I first and foremost want to validate them mm-hmm. and validate their parents, depending on their age, they may not have the language mm-hmm. or even just like the development cognitively to mm-hmm. really fully grasp what they're experiencing or how to communicate it. Um, just to themselves mm-hmm. in a way that they can then better track it, but also to their parents, to providers, um, to their therapists. And so I think, again, that's where stepping back from the language and maybe leaning a little bit more into imagery mm-hmm. can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know there it, there's a lot of similarities, you know, mm-hmm. being in pain sucks and it sucks whether you're 12 or 90, Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different ways because we are socialized to think about pain and talk about pain in the same way that are very common in how we feel hurt. And we automatically go to a doctor mm-hmm. and those doctors have a list of medications mm-hmm. and medical interventions that they're going to provide to you and you might run through them all and it can be very time consuming and exhausting and very frustrating and that all those physical aspects then kind of tap into that mental, your mental game, you know, you start to feel moody about it and frustrated and um, sad and anxious. Mm -hmm. And that then just like creates this cycle. And so I, I see a lot of similarities in all of my clients. Mm -hmm. So trying to kind of meet them where they're at, and open, you know, the book to, it's not just medical providers in Mm -hmm. the sense of, you know, physical therapists and medical doctors that can help, mm-hmm. but there is this field of psychology, which does carry mm-hmm. this stigma and a lot of mm-hmm. providers in the field. Talk about it. We're often mm-hmm. the last stop mm-hmm. after years of being in pain yep. and no <laughs> one wants to say or admit no. like, wait, I could be doing something <laughs> like my head that's contributing yes. to this. and I hear you when you say I, that again gives me the power to do something to manage it better, tolerate mm-hmm. it. But like, let me hang here for a minute and like guilt and shame. Mm. And so, um, yeah, kind of just like meeting them where they're at and being with them through that process. Mm. And I think being mm. someone who's experienced pain and is usually actively in pain when <laughs> I'm with them, um, mm. you know, lends an additional layer of support mm. because I'm you know, yeah. not the type of therapist who's just like going to, be completely quiet about, you sure. know, my experiences as I've kind of navigated it yeah. as well. I think it yeah.
0: humanizes us as providers to be open with mm-hmm. them. That's yeah. Massive. And. As we kind of wrap up our convo here, I mean, I want to talk to you forever about this stuff because like I said, I think you're, you, you did a really good job with your training because you crushed it here. Even I was like, oh wait, yeah, I'm interviewing you. I'm not just listening to um, a speech or like a a YouTube video, but uh, if people are kind of hearing this and they are experiencing that feeling of like, okay, I'm ready to do something about it and I want to learn more about PRT, where do you suggest that we start? Because I know a big part of like y'all's ethos over at BFF therapy too, is like making all of this more accessible and more affordable. And even though there's 1.2 billion people in chronic pain, so very few have heard about PRT and it, it, when they do, it's even so stigmatized whether externally or internally. So what resources or where to start mm-hmm. would you kind of list? Uh, give our confidants listening here?
1: I mean, you could read Alan Gordon's book. (laughs) He does go through the um, steps of somatic tracking and things like that. I do have to say, having read the Mm -hmm. book and then having actually gone through the Mm -hmm. training, it is completely different. There is just Mm -hmm. a layer of like being with another person and explaining it and watching it happen and then going through it yourself. That's different than just like reading words in a text that are explaining like, this is simply what you do. (laughs) Um, because you know, those providers are going to be aware that some of the things do come off as invalidating and try their hardest to uh, be validating to your experiences and your pain. Mm -hmm. So there, you know, you could go to painreprocessingtherapy.com. They have a one hour free training for Mm -hmm. anyone who is interested in learning about like the basics of the science behind it Mm -hmm. and some of the things that they do, Um, you know, fortunately, and unfortunately they're, is this longer, much more intensive program where you could be lucky enough to go to the pain psychology center in California. There mm. are really like a ton of off, satellite mm-hmm. clinics yet. I was looking at like, okay, I live in New York. Like, where can yeah. I go for my PRT experience? Yeah. Um, but the website, uh, painreprocessing therapy.com does have a list of providers that you can type in, you know, where you are, how far you're willing to travel, and you know, you can consult with them. And if you're really interested and feel it's a good fit, you know, find a PRT therapist and go through the
0: whole process. So yes, amazing. Big well- fan. And beyond, like I said, kind of what you do also just with BFF therapy, uh, you are such a valuable light and resource for us. And where can people find you if they want to know more just about not only PRT, but all of the stuff we talked about?
1: Yeah. So our Instagram is at BFF therapy on, um, on Insta. And then also, uh, J R and if they're interested in just following me, uh, BFF therapy, we have a website, so you can, um, check out the blog series that I've written on pain, so I have a whole pain series on, Ooh. talk about how to communicate your pain, how to be a listener for people who are in pain, um, and I'm just doing a lot of collaborations with uh, Jessica from Getting on My Nerves Five K, oh, um, no Friend of the pod. Slowly, yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, yes, no she's doing way, a virtual Celine. conference.
0: Oh my gosh, all my friends.
1: <laughs> yes, so I'm collaborating with her for Slowly um, as one of their board members, and so oh. I'm just really excited to start that uh, with them, and um, yeah. Just, just check us out. We'd love we, to hear from you. We'd yeah, love to I, wa- I want to get you. like, uh,
0: I need to get a group chat with like me, Jessica, Celine. We're doing it immediately as soon as this is over. Um, Amazing. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Jamie, thank you so much for being here. Confidants, All of that will be linked below. I mean, I know I'm definitely going to read your articles because I just love how you are making it so accessible. So check that off for Dr. Jamie. Thank um, you so and- much. Make sure to check uh, out rating this on iTunes. Make it five stars. If it's not going to be five stars, don't rate it at all because I am sensitive. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks, Dr. Jamie. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: <laughs> I did
2: it.